your Bibles out tonight and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter number 10. Joshua, chapter number 10 in your Bibles. Everyone's moving their way on up. I like it. <laughs> it's Liz for the Pedro. Good to see you guys. So Joshua, chapter number 10 in your Bibles. <laughs> We're getting there, pal. <laughs> Verse number 1. Joshua chapter 10, verse number 1. The Bible reads, Now it came to pass when Adonizek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king. So he had done to Ai and her king, and, now, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel, and they were among them that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city and it was one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore, Adazidek, king of Jerusalem, sent Hoam, king of Hebron, and Param, king of Jermoth, and unto Zarephah, king of Lashesh, and unto Debar, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me and help me that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Dramath, the king of Lashesh, and the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together, and went up, they and all their host, and encamped before Gibeon, and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to, to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants, come up to us quickly, and save us, and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites that dwell on the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war, and with him all the, all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. Therefore shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly, and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along that they goeth up to Beth Horon, and, and smote them to Ezekiah and to Mecca. And it came to pass as they fled from, the, from before Israel, and were in the going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them at Ezekiah, the, and they died. And they were which were more died with hailstones. Then they whom the, whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua unto the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up to the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said unto the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou, and thou moon, and in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people have avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that at before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. What I'd like to preach on this evening is focusing on verse number 14, when it says that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the service. I thank you, Father, for the time that we have to be together to open up the Word of God, that you can speak to us through your Holy Spirit, Father. 
Lord, I pray that you help me, your servant, your preacher, Lord, that you would cleanse me of sin. Lord, I pray that it be nothing between you and I, Lord, as I preach this message. Fill me with your spirit, God, and Lord, I pray that you help each believer here to grow in their walk with you as you have encouraged me. God, I pray that you help us to, to leave here tonight strengthened, encouraged, and to be more of a prayer warrior for you. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to preach on tonight. My title is Impossible Requests. Impossible Requests. And i like to focus on this thought of having a prayer life with a purpose. A prayer life with a purpose. And we need to understand something extremely important. That prayer is how we accomplish the impossible. If prayer could not bring about the humanly possible, why would we need to pray? Prayer is recruiting the divine God, the, enough, the uh, all-powerful hand of the almighty God to do something that we ourselves cannot do. That's why we're asking God, the creator of everything, the creator of the universe, to come down and help us. And so when you think about it, not believing God can do the impossible through prayer is not believing that prayer can work. If God can't do the impossible, then why should we pray? If, why, pray why pray for something that you can do or someone you know can do? Why would you need to pray if you yourself can do it? Why even bother? Prayer is asking God to do the impossible that you and I cannot do. Right here in this account, I know you've read a lot of verses, a lot of names, big names here in Joshua chapter 10. But there's a lot to unpack in this, in this portion of scripture that we just read. And I'd like to hopefully leave you tonight encouraged, strengthened, and to become a better prayer warrior yourself through the passage that we just read. I want to give you guys a little bit of a, a background, to help, uh, an understanding of where we are here in Joshua chapter 10. I love the book of Joshua. Joshua is my favorite book in the Bible. Uh, those of you who are in my Sunday school class, you might remember when I taught a whole lesson on verse by verse in the book of Joshua. I love the book of Joshua. There's so much to unpack. I think I like it because there's so much action and war, and I love history. And so for me, it's just pretty intriguing. But what's happening right here in this, in this battle that we see with Joshua and the children of Israel is that they had just, they have gone to the land of Israel, Joshua and his men, the men of Israel. They had attacked the great city Jericho. We know the story of Jericho, how the walls came tumbling down and uh, they marched around seven times and the great victory that we see in Jericho, the great faith demonstrated with Joshua. And then immediately we get to see almost like the downfall of Joshua at the next city he goes to. They make reference to that several times in his passages about uh, the city of Ai and how the first time they attacked Ai, they only sent about half of their men to go attack the city because they thought that they could handle it, that they could do it by themselves. And then we see the great defeat that they had, even though the city was so small compared to the great victory they had in Jericho. And how Joshua had to get his heart right with God and ask God for help. And then God does send help. And God does give them victory at the Battle of Ai. And they conquered that city. And so Joshua now is moving on. And word is spreading throughout the land of Canaan, modern day Israel, about a man and his army taking over the country through God. Through one God in particular. 
the people of Israel at that time, they, they were serving many gods. They were serving false gods. And now one man is coming in saying that he is serving the God of Israel, Yahweh. And so word is spreading all throughout the land of Canaan because they know that they're not supposed to be dwelling there, that that is not their land, that that land is truly God's children, the Jewish people. And so they are deathly afraid of what's going to happen because they know that if God gave them the victory at Jericho and Ai, that God can give them the victory at any other city, that God is going to do that for them. And so Joshua had made peace with the people of Gibeon. Uh, so Joshua's army is getting even larger. And you see here, we read about all those, uh, the names of the kings in and, and verse number one and how he, he made uh, friends with different kings, according to verse number three and, and in verse number five. And all these kings, all these, all these leaders, thinking about, thinking about it in our sense, like our different countries getting together to attack one country. And all these kings and all these cities, they get together and they put all their men together and they say, okay, all of us, although we're not friends, we're going to become friends because the enemy of our enemy is our friend and we're going to attack Joshua and the men of Israel. And we'll take care of them together because individually we stand no chance. But together we got a shot. And so we're going to be able to conquer them if we stick together. And so all, the, all, the children, all those um, nations gather together, and they're going to attack Joshua and his men. And so Joshua has a lot ahead of him. Joshua has a great task in front of him. He has to fight these many nations by himself with not too large of an army. And so Joshua has to do something, is that he has to pray and ask God for the impossible. He has to get on his face and pray to the one that he knows can rescue them, the one that knows that can save them. So when you ask God in your life to do anything, what are you saying? You're asking God to help you with what you cannot do. I want to kind of give you guys an illustration. Think about this, if you would. When you pray for God to keep you safe throughout the day, what are you asking? When you ask God to supply your needs, what are you asking? When you ask God to save your family and friends, what are you asking? When you ask God to do anything, what are you saying? You are saying that you cannot do it without him. That you need God for everything in your life. That we have to have a friend that's like closer than a brother with us. Somebody who can help us and to guide us to get through what we may think is the impossible but we know that there is a God who does the impossible, and he's an expert in that. And so we're asking God to do what we cannot do. This might explain why I think one of the biggest problems in churches today is prayerlessness, not praying. Churches have, have decided not to pray together as churches and not emphasize on prayer. But let me tell you, Christian, prayer is essential. Prayer is the most powerful force that we have. Think about this. We get to call upon a God who created everything and ask him and bring before our petitions to him. And he's asking for you to do that. He is asking for you to call out to him. First off, with salvation, right? Then he's asking you to, to establish a relationship with him. The difference between what we offer right, with Jesus Christ and what other religions offer we're not offering you a religion, a one, two, three, repeat after me. We're offering you a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. 
And there's no other important thing that we can have that are establishing that fact of, man, I get to have a relationship with Jesus. I get to talk with Jesus. I get to walk with Jesus. And someday I'm going to spend forever in heaven with Jesus. It doesn't get much better than that. We don't pray sometimes because we say we don't need God. That is why we don't pray sometimes. He wasn't, Joshua wasn't one just to pray for miracles just for the sake of asking it. Joshua prayed with purpose. And I want us to take a moment and I want us to focus on three things about Joshua when it came to asking God for the impossible. Is first of all, notice Joshua's hope. Look at verse number 8. Joshua 10, verse number 8. Joshua says here for us, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Now remember, in verse number 6, it says, And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua, so they're running up to Joshua saying, Joshua, there's all these kings. There's all these nations. They're coming against us, and they're going to fight us. We don't stand a chance. Joshua, what are we to do? And Joshua says, fear them not, because that's what God says. God says, fear not. Why? Because I have delivered them into thine hand, and there shall not a man stand before thee. The Lord is saying to Joshua, right, to tell the people, don't fear. I'm in control. I know, what I, I know what I'm doing. God knows your tomorrow, Christian. Sometimes we become so fearful of what the next day may bring forth, but God's already got you. God already knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So we don't have to, to, to think about and lie in fear about what's tomorrow, what's going to happen five days from now, what's going to happen ten days from now. I'll tell you that there is a God in heaven who does know and knows exactly what you're going to need, when you need it, and how you're going to need it. That God is, God is already there and God already knows. So you and I have hope in that, right? We can put our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ that he knows. He understands. So notice Joshua's hope. Joshua knew before he even started, started this fight, started this great battle that we just read about, that he was going to win. Joshua knew that he and his army were going to win. Why? Because the God of heaven was with them. They had the strongest ally that you can possibly have, which was God himself. And there's not a person I'd rather have on my side as I go through the walk of life than God himself. I can't imagine my life without Jesus Christ. Imagine your life without Jesus. Where would you be? Would you be where you are today? Would, would you be alive today? Let's go as far as that. What, what would your life be if it wasn't for the almighty grace and mercy of Jesus? Think about that. So notice Joshua's hope. He didn't have to waste a single minute worrying about the outcome. This, this might have hit him by surprise, but he was not worried because he knew what the outcome was going to be. You know, it's, you can watch, I like sports, and so I watch football games, and uh, you got a football game going on, and if you already know the outcome, you don't have to be worried about what the play is going to be because you already know what the final score is going to be. 
When it comes to God and when it comes to our life, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen because we know what the outcome is going to be. If you're saved, the worst possible thing that can happen to you is heaven. Think about that. The worst possible thing that can happen to you is that you get to spend eternity in heaven. We have that hope. Joshua has that hope. He was blessed to know how the story would end before he even went to war. So Joshua has hope. Secondly, verse number 9, notice Joshua's hunt. The verse number 9 tells us, Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went, and went up from Gilgal all night. I love the way, this is such a small verse, right? But I love the way that this battle is worded for us. It says that Joshua came up suddenly. So notice that he wasn't dragging his feet. He wasn't lollygagging around. He was very quick in his response. And it says, and he went up from Gilgal all night. What does that tell us? He didn't even sleep. There was no sleep involved. He went after them, them meaning the kings and the nations, all night. And who was fighting? Was it Joshua or was it God? And so Joshua immediately went to battle. Oftentimes when something hits us in life is that we can take a season or a moment to worry and stress about it, right? Something hits us, and then we go into panic mode, and we get all worried and all anxious. And the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your, let your request be made known unto God. And immediately, once Joshua heard this report, he immediately went after them. He had a talk with God. Verse number 10, I want you to notice Joshua's help. The Bible says, The Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them to Azekah and to Mekeda. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah and they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. So I want us to, let's, let's break down these two verses. Verse 10 tells us what? He discomforted them. That God was making them, their, their, uh, their ability to have the advantage with uh, morale and the, the, the idea of I can conquer them ourselves and that God discomforted them. Then God slew them with the great slaughter. And how did he do that? It's that he himself brought down hailstones. And then it says that God chased them along the way. And that God smote them. And so God is doing the one all the battle in this. And verse number 11, watch what God says in verse number 11. It says that first of all, he, the, the Lord cast down great stones from heaven. And they that there were more that died from those hailstones than they which died by the hand of a sword. So God himself, using nature, was taking care of them. And those hailstones that were coming down were, um, were in God's hands, and God was placing those hailstones only upon the enemy. The Israelites were not affected by the hailstones. Imagine that sight. Imagine you're fighting in that battle. You have your armor on, you have your sword, and the next thing you know, hailstones are coming from heaven 
and attacking your enemy and, and killing them, and you don't have to do a single thing. God is taking care of it. And, man, this is such a great thing we're reading, right? Man, this is a miracle that God is doing. But yet, I want you to notice something. Joshua was not satisfied. This wasn't enough for Joshua. Many people were re- would be rejoicing at this moment. They would be regrouping. And now, this is a miracle of, in and of itself, right? The hailstones coming down and only killing the enemies. And it, this is a great miracle. But there's one more miracle that's about to take place that, is, that has never happened before in the history of mankind, but has happened once. When many of the people were looking around, Joshua was looking ahead. And when most people would be sitting down, Joshua was setting up. Now keep in mind, Joshua has been up all night. He has been up for a very long time. And no doubt he has to be tired, right? He still has human, physical emotions. He's got to be tired. It's getting late. The night's about to come. They've been battled all day. It's about to get dark. And Joshua isn't ready to quit. He doesn't want the battle to be done. Because if the battle's done and it becomes night, they don't have flashlights, they don't have LED lights in like they have today, right? And so if it turns dark, that's their worst enemy. Because that means the battle's over, the kings and the nations can go back to their homes, regroup, and attack the next day. And so Joshua prays for something so unusual. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. Joshua prays for the sun and for the moon to stand still. Why? Because he wanted there to still be light, and that way they can keep on attacking, and that way they can finish the job and kill off the rest of the enemy. He prays for a miracle, that miracle that the sun would stand still. Notice how verse 12 starts, Then spake Joshua to the Lord. Joshua already has a very strong relationship with God. And so with this prayer... He didn't question God. He didn't ask God for this. It's almost like he had enough faith that he was praying that God, I'm going to pray this and you're going to do it. That this is going to happen. Joshua's not even questioning. He's saying, if I pray this prayer, God is going to answer it. There is no question marks in verse number 12. And so this request was unselfish. He didn't pray for the enemy to drop dead so that way he can go to bed. He didn't pray for God to annihilate them so that way he could stop and he and his men can go and eat supper. He prayed for the sun to stand still so that he can keep on fighting. To keep on fighting. He wanted the day to be prolonged so he could finish what he started. There were many times in my childhood, some of the worst moments was bedtime. I, don't, I do not like bedtime. Those parents in this building, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Bedtime for your children and for myself was no good. I remember when my bedtime when I was young was like 8 o'clock. And so I knew 8 o'clock was approaching. I knew that this was the time to hide from mom and dad. And I would hide underneath the couch and hide under my bed. Why? Because I knew if they saw me, they would say, it's 8 o'clock. It's time for you to go to bed. 
or I would sit there completely still on the couch and not make any movement because I didn't want them to know, hey, it's my bedtime. And I was not a fan of bedtime. I've, now, <laughs> I love bedtime. <laughs> bedtime is my favorite time of the day. I, I wish I had bedtime all day. Anyway, I digress. Joshua wasn't asking for more daylight so that way he could ask something selfishly. He wanted to do something that way he can help the children of Israel and ultimately God, right? Because they're reclaiming the land for God. I want you to keep your finger in Joshua, but I'd like you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 4. Joshua's prayer was not selfish. It was for a purpose and it was for a cause. And that's why God immediately answered that prayer request. Notice what James says here in James chapter 4 and verse number 3. This is a great verse. The Bible says, Ye ask and receive not. Why? Because ye ask in amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. This wasn't a prayer request that Joshua had for his lusts. This was a prayer request with a purpose. And oftentimes that maybe sometimes we don't get prayer requests because God knows that that prayer request is for our lusts. That is not for what should be our goal and our, our purpose is to bring glory to God. That we would lift God's name on high. That he would be glorified. That he would be magnified. And so oftentimes our prayer requests can be to magnify ourselves. But God says to be humble and he shall lift you up. And so Joshua's prayer here was that the children of Israel would get the victory and ultimately God would get the glory. And so this request, go back to Joshua 10 if you would. This request was unreserved. Look at verse number 12. Joshua 10 verse 12. The Bible says, then spake Joshua unto the Lord, and, the, and in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, notice this, and he said in the sight of Israel. Now why is that important? Many a times we can become too afraid to ask God miracles in public because we don't want to be embarrassed when he doesn't answer that prayer request. And this prayer request was not made in secret. This prayer request was not made in his heart. The Bible says that this prayer request was made in the, the sight of Israel. All Israel heard this prayer request. Many a times I can become afraid because we ask things for God in secret. We should not be embarrassed by asking God for miracles. By asking God for the impossible. That shouldn't be something that we are afraid of. It's faith. Our whole life is built around faith. We trust God for our eternal destination by faith. And so when you ask God for your prayer requests in your life, you're asking it by faith. James chapter 1 verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. 
You're, you're being tossed if you don't have faith. If you have faith, you're settled on the solid rock that cannot move. You're on, you are with God when you ask God in faith. It never crossed his mind that God would not answer this prayer request. God had already discomfited the enemy, slew them, he chased them, he smote them. God had already cast down great stones from heaven. He slaughtered all the enemies. And who knows, maybe Joshua was praying for the sun to stand still so that God could just mop up, that God could just finish what he started. And Joshua making this prayer, uh, prayer request public was an enormous demonstration of his faith in God. It's a demonstrate, de demonstration of his faith. Your kids, your, your spouse, your family, your loved ones, your friends should know that you have faith in God. And they should know the prayer request that you're asking God in faith to do. So that way, when that prayer request is answered, everybody has to look at that request and say, God did that. Only God could have answered that prayer request. You could not have humanly possibly done that yourself. There had to have been a divine being to do that and to answer that prayer request. Only God. And that's Joshua's mindset is only God. Joshua, right, you and I cannot physically stop the sun. We can't stop the moon. That's literally impossible. But God made it. If God made the sun and moon to rotate like it does, he can stop it with just a, just a, a snap. He is God. And so this demonstration is of his faith in God. And, and lastly, verse number 14, Joshua chapter 10, this request was unprecedented. Joshua chapter 10, verse 14. And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Never before had somebody asked for the sun to stand still. Never had anybody ever asked the moon to stand still. For that to happen, the earth had to stop moving or rotating on its axis. In essence, he was asking God to move heaven and earth. And sometimes the battle that you're facing right now in your life is unprecedented. All the odds are stacked up against you. There is so much going against you. And you know the thing in your life that only God can answer. That only God can heal. That only God can give. That only God can provide. And you may think of times in your life where, man, God really stepped in. God really answered that prayer request. Man, I was, I was asking for something, and God just went so far beyond it. God answered it. Many times in my life, I look back on where I am today, and it's hard to say, where would I be without God? Man, where would I, where would I be without God? The position I'm in and, the, and being, being married. I mean, only God could have gave me a wife, you know? It's many things that, man, only God can do that. Amen. Only God. Amen. And God has just been so good to you and I. The sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hastened not to go down for a whole day. Man, Joshua asked in faith. Amen. Joshua had a purpose. And Joshua was asking the impossible request. This is a great story. It's, it's history. It's not, it's not just a fairy tale story. This is facts. 
And it's what's cool, right, is that this God who answered this prayer request for Joshua is the same God that you and I have indwelling in us today. And that's just, an, that's just an amazing thing to think about, is it not? Man, this is the same God that we're coming to church for and we're, we're serving and we're giving our life to. And man, God is worth it all. And so, Christian, there may be things in your life, right, that seem impossible. My, my charge tonight, my encouragement, simply my sermon tonight is that just pray for the impossible. Because we serve a God who does the impossible. You and I can't do it, but God can do it. Amen. And there's many things that we can pray for and that, man, don't pray wavering. Don't play, pray half-heartedly. Pray that God will answer that prayer request. So to apply this into your life, something that I heard when I was in college was simply you should write down the impossible prayer requests. Write them down. Put them in a, put them in a prayer list and on your phone or whatever, be wherever you pray, wherever your prayer list is, and put those impossible prayer requests down and be amazed at what God does when he answers them. Be amazed. I was I'm, recently, uh, my wife and I were kind of cleaning up the house a little bit, getting the house ready for the baby. So we got the, you know, the, the baby's room and we got the office. And so we're, put, we're cleaning things up. And as I was going through some old books and I, was, I saw my, my prayer journal from when I was a high schooler. And I remember opening up the prayer journal. And I remember looking at the list of impossible prayer requests. And one of the things I wrote down in 2016 was that God would give us the house next door. And I remember looking at that prayer request. I mean, where we are today, right, with having the first floor of the house. Man, God heard that prayer. And I, that, that hit me by... Like, that hit me hard. <laughs> Man, God heard me. God answered that prayer request. It wasn't immediate. God didn't answer that prayer request the next day, but he answered it. And there are many things in that prayer, uh, prayer list that were answered, things that God helped me personally with my life and, and different needs that I had at the time. And looking back, and it's just amazing to see how God worked. I would encourage you to get a notebook and write down prayer requests and just stay faithfully with those prayer requests and see how God answers them. And tell your family that, that your family can glorify God through it all. Pray the impossible prayer request. Keep, Christian, keep praying. Don't ever stop praying. Let's go to God. Father, we love you. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the impossible. And Lord, that you meet our needs. That you help us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that ultimately our lives, Father, would give you all the glory all the honor, Lord, because you are worthy of it all. Lord, help us in our life, Lord, to bring honor and glory to you. Help us to love you. I pray that our church here stands for many years, giving you nothing but the honor and the glory, God. Help us, Lord, as a Christian, as a church, Lord, that we would uh, be a church of prayer. Lord, I pray that it would ever be said of our church that we are not prayer warriors. God, help us, Father. Help us in our walk. We love you. Praise on Jesus.